That's right, everybody. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking this journey inside the Black Vault with me. Not going to be too long of an episode today, but rather I wanted to give you a little bit of an update on what's happened post the UAP hearing. Now, for those of you who um, surf the social networks uh, quite frequently, you may be aware of what has transpired, but I know that not everybody uses Twitter, not everybody uses Facebook. And if you're watching this here on YouTube, then hopefully I can give you a little bit of new information on what has happened since that historic hearing on Wednesday about UAP. Now, one of the biggest developments in my mind was something that I thought was actually a hoax to begin with. Uh, and this was a statement by Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick. Now, this, from what I understood, first appeared on LinkedIn. For those of you who don't use LinkedIn, I do, but it's so rare when I even log on. Uh, if you're not connected with somebody, there's ways to essentially hide the post. Now, I'm not connected with Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, but somebody on Twitter was. They posted this thing. I thought it was fake. Woke up the next morning, was going to try and pursue confirmation of it. And uh, D. Dean Johnson, who, uh, if you don't follow on social media, please uh, check him out because he he follows a lot of the congressional movement and stuff like this on UAP very, very closely. I resigned to his expertise following all the, the, the language of bills and stuff like that. He is on top of it, so I would make sure that you follow him. But uh, that said, he had confirmed with Dr. Kirkpatrick that it was, in fact, a real statement. So he beat me to the punch of confirming it. Uh, later, I'll show you a Pentagon statement that also, to my surprise, uh, was issued not only to myself, but, but quite a few other people who, who were uh, asking about this that confirmed the statement was real. So I want to stress that before we bring it up. And with that, let me bring it up. This is the statement. I'm going to read it in full for the audio version. I don't like to read on this channel a lot, as you know, uh, but I think in this case, it's absolutely warranted, especially since I'm going to drop this on the podcast audio version as well. After I read it in full, I'll go back and highlight some uh, key sections here, go over it, why I think it's important and uh, give you my two cents if it's even worth those two pennies. All right, here's what Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, head of the Arrow office investigating UAP, has to say about Wednesday's hearing. Let me begin by saying that the following are my own personal observations and opinions, which do not necessarily represent official DOD or IC positions. Yesterday, the Subcommittee on National Security, the Border and Foreign Affairs held an open hearing on UAP during which a government cover-up of extraterrestrials was alleged. I wholeheartedly applaud congressional efforts to get to the truth about what UAP are and the risks to both pilot safety and national security. I'm also absolutely committed to transparency on both the historical mission and the operational mission. As the director of Arrow's amazingly talented, devoted, and highly motivated team, however, I cannot let yesterday's hearing pass without sharing how insulting it was to the officers of the Department of Defense and intelligence community who chose to join Arrow, many with not unreasonable anxieties about the career risks that this would entail that have been working diligently, tirelessly, and often in the face of harassment and animosity to satisfy their congressionally mandated mission. They are truth seekers, as am I, but you certainly would not get that impression from yesterday's hearing. Arrow was established by law to investigate the allegations and assertions presented in yesterday's hearing. Allegations by, by its witnesses of retaliation to include physical assault and hints of murder 
are extraordinarily serious, which is why law enforcement is a critical member of the Arrow team, specifically to address and take swift action should anyone come forward with such claims. Yet contrary to assertions made in the hearing, the central source of those allegations has refused to speak with Arrow. Furthermore, some information reportedly provided to Congress has not been provided to Arrow, raising additional questions about the true commitment to transparency by some congressional elements. The subcommittee whose questions and oversight duties are irreproachable in, and in genuine need of answers has never asked Arrow for an update on the reporting system, the historical review, the operations, and the S&T strategy that Arrow leads and is undertaking. A rational person watching the hearing might reasonably assume the, that both the witnesses and the members had an understanding of the department's and the IC's progress since the establishment of Arrow around this time of year, uh, excuse me, around this time last year, only naturally leading them to conclude that Arrow has been ineffective, non-transparent, and delinquent in its legislative mission. Arrow briefs the Defense and Intel Committees regularly, and since the last NDAA, the Homeland Defense, S&T, and several other committees as well. I'm deeply disappointed at the denigration of Arrow's dedicated men and women hailing from the Department of Defense, Intelligence Community, and civil partners who are pouring their hearts out working this issue on behalf of Congress. Arrow has the authorities and resources necessary to execute this mission to meet congressional intent, and as we've stated before, Arrow welcomes anyone with knowledge of any of these allegations or programs to talk to us in a safe, secure, and appropriately cleared environment. Rest assured, Arrow will follow the data wherever it leads. Finally, to be clear, Arrow has yet to find any credible evidence to support the allegations of any reverse engineering program for non-human technology. Also, to be clear, none of the whistleblowers from yesterday's hearing ever worked for Arrow or was ever a representative to Arrow, contrary to statements made in testimony and in the media. Now, let me stress, that's not an endorsement by me of what Dr. Kirkpatrick is saying, because I can just uh, see the, the, the hate mail that I'll get later on. So I'm not endorsing it, but rather wanted to bring you exactly what Dr. Kirkpatrick was saying. Now, let me highlight just a few things here on what to take away from it. Obviously, the first line of him uh, saying that it was uh, not representative of any official or IC positions, well, that's clear. It, this, in my opinion, was kind of unorthodox, especially the way he released it, simply because they normally stay fairly quiet. But clearly, Dr. Kirkpatrick was pretty upset over what was being alleged and decided to take it into his own hands, not wait for any official Pentagon statement, and put this out on LinkedIn. He knew it must have gotten out, or it would get out, or maybe that was the intent. Um, I've checked LinkedIn. I couldn't find it again without being connected directly to him. So, what's up with that? Did he did he just do it for those that he wanted to share with privately, you know, quote unquote privately with his followers? But but I mean, clearly he thought he would know anyway that this would leak out. But regardless, it's it's not an official position. But clearly he's pretty upset. He also states, I'm also absolutely committed to transparency on both the historical mission and the operational mission. Well, here's my reaction to this, uh, to Dr. Kirkpatrick, which may actually not be fully his doing, 
but the DOD as a whole is absolutely not committed to transparency on this issue, not only with their historical mission or their operational mission, but to be honest with you, it's a broad stroke now denial of all UAP information. And the root of all of this is Dr. Kirkpatrick's office. So if he truly was committed to transparency, and maybe he personally is, the DOD and his office is not. So what can, if anything, can he do about it? I don't have an answer to that. But what I can say is that the root of that secrecy, he stands right by it, meaning he is right there in the thick of it. So if he is committed to that transparency, hopefully we will see that. Because I think in the hearings past that Dr. Kirkpatrick played a role in, or the uh, one prior that spoke about the mission to investigate UAP, it is very, very, very clear and evident that they are not committed to that at all. He also goes on to state allegations by its witnesses of retaliation to include physical assault and hints of murder are extraordinarily serious, which is why law enforcement is a critical member of the Arrow team, specifically to address and take swift action should anyone come forward with such claims. Here's how I took away from this, because the law enforcement, for those uh, who aren't aware, the law enforcement exemption, which is B7 under the Freedom of Information Act, is now being utilized 100% across the board on Arrow slash UAP related requests. Now, Arrow is not a law enforcement arm of the DOD. Uh, they are not a, a group within a law enforcement agency. So how can they get away with that? Now, I've done a full video breakdown. So if you're curious about what tactic they're using right now, uh, check it out, because I think that uh, it, it's really of, of interest uh, for those who follow the, the, the secrecy, but also may have a false representation of what the transparency currently is. And uh, the, the short of it, without going through the whole uh, story again, is that they claim that if they were to reveal any type of either interview transcript or list of interviews or anything like that, that it would reveal law enforcement techniques or interfere in a law enforcement investigation. Now, it's my point of view that that is a 100% bunk argument. And I can tell you a couple of the topics uh, that were denied were the interviews with Robert Jacobs, uh, with Robert Solis, obviously much more historical. Remember that historical mission part of his statement there? It was much more uh, geared towards the historical aspect of what they're collecting with incidents from the 1960s. Yet they claimed that those interviews were exempt under FOIA B7, exemption B7, which was that law enforcement uh, exemption. What was also denied were specific arrow case numbers. I actually just picked them at random. Last year, I got a listing of all of the, uh, the arrow case numbers. Uh, which was pretty interesting to get. I mean, they didn't reveal places or, or or anything like that, but rather file numbers. And so I went after five random numbers. All five were considered exempt. I can also tell you a couple that I have not announced uh, for no other reason other than the, the evidence for me was there that they were doing these blanket denials. But I even went to communications between Arrow and Dr. Gary Nolan. And I also went uh, through 
um, a couple other cases trying to figure out who was Arrow talking to and who was giving them information. And yet all of those as well were denied. UAPX, the organization, which I believe has, has openly admitted to uh, talking to Arrow, they posted, I believe that they, they had posted that um, uh, on the internet. You know, I was going through those communications too, to figure out, okay, what is Arrow taking seriously? Who are they taking seriously? What are they talking about? All of it, 100% exempt. So back to uh, Dr. Kirkpatrick's statement here and the fact that he was talking about how law enforcement is a critical member of the Arrow team. The last part of this was interesting to me. Should anyone come forward with, with such claims? So it's like nobody has yet. And that brings me to the next part of this, because some of you may say, well, wait a minute, Grush has put those people that have alleged such things in uh, contact. He's put them in contact with the proper authorities. Now, we can assume that maybe that's not Arrow, because Dr. Kirkpatrick says the central source of those allegations has refused to speak with Arrow. So did Dr. Kirkpatrick get wind of what was going on and he reached out and they refused? Uh, did they make contact with Dr. Kirkpatrick? He tried to set something up. They backed out. I don't know. There's a lot of variables there that I don't think have been announced yet. Uh, but that's a weird, that's a weird kind of development to where if Arrow has a law enforcement member of their team, whomever that is, I'm not sure if that would be FBI or, or, or what, you know, I don't think it's, it's, uh, beyond what I just read here ever been revealed. Uh, but regardless, it's there. Are they, are they not confident that Arrow or Dr. Kirkpatrick can take action? And if that's true, then does that mean the law enforcement member of their team is tainted? And if that's true, then you're going to just start opening these, these allegations up more and more and more to where then you just can't trust anybody. So again, I'm, I'm not endorsing Dr. Kirkpatrick's um, kind of stance here, but if he's got a law enforcement member of his team why aren't they talking to him so it was a very interesting uh if true allegation that whomever grush is referring to refuses to talk uh the other interesting part of this if true the subcommittee whose questions and oversight duties are irreproachable and genuine need of answers has never asked arrow for an update why not arrow briefs the defense and intel committees regularly according to dr uh, kirkpatrick so why didn't this other committee either confer with those others that do get briefings. Maybe they did. I'm not sure uh, at this point. Or why didn't they just contact Arrow and, and at least get their side? So those were, again, all if true, were, were very interesting perspectives from Dr. Kirkpatrick. So I can understand uh, that he's kind of getting you know blindsided and raked through the, the coals a little bit. And please let me stress, I'm not endorsing his message, but rather just put yourself in his shoes they're having this hearing and blasting his office, yet they never even once contacted him. One more thing, though, about this line, Arrow briefs the Defense and Intel Committees regularly and all these other committees as well. That's FOIA fodder, by the way. And why I say that is all of the that briefing material, that's FOIAable. Now, you can't FOIA Congress. A lot of people in the last few days have asked me, can you FOIA Congress? The answer is no but you find reverse ways to find what you're looking for. So the briefings would be a product of the Department of Defense. They are subject to FOIA, as we all know. So I can go after all of those briefings. So now we know, even though again, sometimes it's assumed, 
and you're like, wow, John, that's, that's not surprising. Uh, this puts it in writing. And these are essentially citable in any FOIA case. So they can't back out and say, hey, sorry, we, we have no uh, records. We, we don't find any briefing material. I can say no. Well, in a statement that was confirmed by the DOD, by the head of the office, there are multiple briefings. Uh, again, it becomes uh, legally usable. Lastly, also to be clear, none of the whistleblowers from yesterday's hearing ever worked for Arrow or was ever a representative to Arrow, contrary to statements made in testimony and in the media. Here's what's kind of interesting, because I saw this uh, come about a lot on the uh, social media chatter, was that no one claimed to work for Arrow, and that is absolutely true as far as I'm uh, aware. However, what I think many people misunderstood And this is going to get into semantics, and I think both sides need to clarify this. It does go to the heart of what uh, David Grush was stating. In his opening statement, you'll see here, uh, 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 let me see, yes, this line. I was my agency's co-lead, the uh, National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. So he states, I was my agency's co-lead in unidentified anomalous phenomena and transmedium object analysis as well as reporting to UAP task force and eventually arrow. So Grush actually did make the claim that he was the representative to arrow. So going back to Kirkpatrick's statement where he says they were ever a representative to arrow, not of arrow, but to arrow, uh, Dr. Kirkpatrick is pushing back on Grush's claims. That's how I read it anyway. If you guys have a different idea, please, by all means, I'm not saying I'm 100% right here, but he's essentially saying that when Grush was with the NGA and he claimed to be representing the NGA to Arrow, Kirkpatrick is saying, nope, nobody there, didn't name Grush by name, but he was the only one that made the claim, said nobody there was a representative to Arrow of their respective agencies. So, you know, here we go again of one person saying this was my job and the DOD, albeit in an unofficial statement, is stating otherwise. You know, it's uh, I'll say it a thousand times. It's not an endorsement by me that Kirkpatrick is spewing gospel here. But why isn't anything ever black and white and easy? Just as simple as a representative for an agency speaking to Arrow. And that's what I don't understand. Like, it's not some big conspiracy that he held this position. So why would the DOD feel the need to lie about that? I've always felt that about Luis Elizondo as well. Why lie? Like, I, I the government lies, right? I, I've written books about it. I've done uh, thousands of interviews over the, the last few decades about this. Uh, so they lie. But you have to look at motivation for the lie. So what what do they have to push back. Is it for credibility reasons? Well, do they really have to, to knock the position? Because we know he, he did the work. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't really have um, reservations on that. I mean, he seems, incre- uh, Grush seems incredibly well-versed when it comes to conveying what he was doing for the NGA. So it doesn't really surprise me that he would have this position. So why would Arrow feel the need to, to, to push back on that and go, no, they were never a representative to Arrow. Um, that, that just to me is, is so weird uh, because here we go again on the merry-go-round of claims of, yes, I did. 
DOD says, no, you didn't. Uh, and I can't see the motivation. I, I know that a lot of you may think that it's just to discredit him and, and maybe, but you can discredit in much easier ways when somebody is talking about human, non-human intelligence, uh, craft, technology, and dead alien pilots. Uh, my guess is you don't have to go to like, oh, no, you weren't a representative to Arrow to discredit that person. My guess is they can find other ways to do it, like saying there's no evidence to what Grush is claiming. So it's just weird. Uh, again, I, I know that it's just going to be uh, the, the easy fallback of trying to discredit Grush, but it, it's just a weird thing to see play out yet again, because I, I can't really see that motivation for it. Now, I had mentioned that the uh, statement itself was confirmed by D. Dean Johnson with Dr. Kirkpatrick. Um, uh, look, I trust uh, Dean. I, I think he's an amazing researcher and individual. Uh, and, 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 and with that said, I always kind of worry when somebody says, yeah, I confirmed it with so-and-so, but there was no real statement or whatever. So it wasn't me doubting it, but a lot of people had reached out to the Pentagon as well. Susan Goff, all things UAP related, comes from her office. She actually issued a statement about this. I got this yesterday. Uh, she states the following, the department is aware of Dr. Kirkpatrick's post, which are his personal opinions expressed in his capacity as a private citizen, and we won't comment directly on the contents of the post. We do want to reinforce the department's unwavering commitment to openness and accountability to the American people and Congress. The dedicated military service members, civilian personnel, and federal contractors who support Arrow's efforts are deserving of the full confidence of our lawmakers and the American public. While much remains to be done to fulfill Arrow's mandate, Arrow's committed team has made great progress since its establishment only a year ago. So there you have it. Totally legit statement. We kind of already knew that, but but it's official. One of the other uh, updates, and then I'll get to some of your questions here for those who are watching on the, the uh, behind-the-scenes live stream of this, is a action by members of Congress. This was really encouraging for me to see simply because, look, despite my skepticism of, of some of Grush's claims, uh, I, I believe that the witness testimony from from uh, Ryan Graves and David Fravor was solid. Uh, but again, uh, despite my skepticism of some of the more elaborate claims by David Grush, I had feared that after that hearing, it would just kind of deflate like a balloon, pardon the pun. And, uh, you know, you might still have uh, Tim Burchett out there and Anna Paulina Luna uh, talking about it. Um, but who else was going to jump on board? And uh, to my pleasant surprise, there was a letter that was sent to Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, by Matt Gates, Anna Paulina Luna, Tim Burchett, and Jared Moskowitz to push for a House Oversight and Accountability Committee uh, or excuse me, a special select uh, co committee on UAP with subpoena power and everything. So in essence, they were looking to create a new committee based just on uh, one effort to figure out the truth behind UAP. They would have subpoena power. They could go out and, and get the uh, information that they need without hindrance, hopefully anyway. So I uh, won't read the whole letter to you right now because uh you just heard me blab uh, about kirkpatrick's statement and reading through that uh but i would really urge you to kind of go through and see what they want to do uh, with this uh with this select committee that they want to establish and hopefully they will get some uh some results 
but it was encouraging to see that they're taking action. Now, as far as I know, as of the recording of this, uh, Speaker McCarthy, I didn't see any response to it publicly. My guess is when you uh, create a select committee like this, it's going to be a little bit of time. So we'll see how that plays out, Uh, but encouraging nonetheless. So my compliments uh, to these four congressmen and uh, congresswomen for taking the initiative, trying to push for answers, and hopefully they will get them. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens there. I don't have a slide for this, but then I'll take some of your questions. I, I did uh, remember this. The Eglin Air Force Base incident with Congresswoman Paulina Luna, uh, Congressman Burchett, and Matt Gates, Congressman Matt Gates, they had that uh, story at the hearing. Matt Gates was the one that really went into detail about it. I'll be surprised if he didn't uh, go too far with his statement. This was a classified briefing, and he gave details of it in an open hearing. When it comes to UAP, all things UAP, they are classified. So either he got permission to tell the story, or maybe he stepped over the line a little bit. Regardless, kind of fun to hear a little bit about that UAP incident uh, at Eglin Air Force Base in the Gulf of Mexico. But uh, that said, that, as you can imagine... Uh, the story behind the pushback by Eglin Air Force Base to Burchett, Luna, and Gates when they were down there, I filed multiple requests to 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 kind of dig into that and see exactly what was going on. Who did what? Who said what? Uh, we'll hopefully get a little bit of transparency there. Most of the communications, because it's not going to all be over the telephone, uh, are likely unclassified and are FOIAable from the side of Eglin Air Force Base. Again, can't FOIA Congress, but you can the Air Force Base. So I'm looking for all of the communications between the base itself and the uh, members of Congress listed here and their staffers. So why I point that out about it being unclassified is hopefully there won't be a whole lot of pushback on accessing that through through FOIA because it was not classified. Well, what aspects were classified ties into the hearing that Representative Gates got when he was down there. And Luna and Burchett were not cleared, according to Eglin Air Force Base, to hear it. So I filed a mandatory declassification review for that hearing material. We are led to believe there were two, two hearings, if you listen to the stories, one of which was about air safety, and I forget the exact uh, terminology that they had uh, for it. But when they went down there, I think it was Burchett who was recounting the story, and he says, hey, wait a minute, we're here for a UAP briefing, and you guys are giving us some air safety thing. Um, I, I think that's what it was, air safety. But regardless, it was not UAP. So then, as the story goes from from the side of Burchett, they then shifted gears, but Burchett and Luna were not cleared to hear the UAP stuff, so they had to be removed from the hearing, and Representative Gates was the one that got that uh, that classified briefing. And then that's the detail that he gave out at the public hearing. So what I did was file the request for all that briefing material. Now, some of you uh, who aren't familiar with the process, you might think, well, it's classified, John, you're never going to get it. Well, that's what the whole MDR process is, uh, that you can request a review of that material, because for the most part, that material is not classified in full. It may be a top secret or secret briefing, but that doesn't mean that all elements of the briefing are classified top secret. You just have to have the highest level of classification that's in the briefing as the overall the overall umbrella classification. However, once you file that MDR, 
they go in and and go through the material, see what's unclassified or what can be uh, declassified, and then hopefully release that. Prime example, for those who aren't aware, I had received the 2021 UAP classified report that was given to Congress by ODNI in the exact same way. Granted, it was redacted in certain areas, but still we were able to, um, to read a lot once it was released. That was all thanks to the MDR process. So this week I had word from Eglin, uh, Eglin Air Force Base that, that there's movement on my cases and we're looking at at least two of them, not the MDR, but the two FOIAs uh, will hopefully have some type of an answer in 30 days, uh, at least at the very least an update. But that's encouraging. They were a great office. Uh, I don't deal with them a whole lot, but uh, speaking to them on the telephone, they were excellent. They were very thorough, uh, really interested to talk. So, uh, so my compliments to them. Now, uh, with that said, obviously the live stream, I have uh, halted on my side, the comments. I'm going to try and get to as many as I can. I saw some of the super chats from YouTube come in. This is where I get a little bit lost, uh, only because I'm broadcasting to all the social media. And on my tally here, there's close to a thousand of you watching as we speak. So the chat's going pretty uh, crazy because it pulls in all the comments from all social media. So let me get to a couple here. Um... <laughs> DBL, everyone get a tarot reading and ask about aliens. I bet we'll get something. Well, first, DBL, thanks for that support uh, and your continued support uh, of the channel. Um, yes, I don't think I've ever had a, a tarot reading myself, but if anybody gets anything worthwhile or finds out what happens in January, as one of the other people were asking about, uh, let me know. All right, here's one. UFOs are sentient as functions with the pilot's biology. Go reverse engineering that logic. Um, well, I mean, that's what a lot of people think, that the, they're intelligently controlled by sentient beings. Um, so we will see what actually will, will come out from that. Hopefully the congressmen who uh, want that subpoena power will get it. They'll push for it. But, you know, if, if, if what Grushes, here's my, my hopefully not too pessimistic thought on this. My skepticism aside, let's just assume for a moment Grush is really telling the truth they're really going to have to bring the evidence forward to not only convince Congress, but to con convince the masses. And uh, the if it's true and it's all legit, there's going to be major pushback by the powers that be. And are we seeing that unfold right now? Are we seeing the discrediting campaign already unfolding, like with Kirkpatrick's statement that I just went over, you know, what are we seeing truly transpire here? And I'm not really sure. It's no secret. I have my skepticism about Gresh's more elaborate uh, and extraordinary claims, but regardless, if true, I've also been around the block enough to know that it's not going to be very easy for the powers that be to kind of loosen that, that grip on, on secrecy. So we will see how that that transpires, and I, I will be eager to see how much Congress wants to push, because if they create this select committee, have subpoena power, well, I posted on social media a list of people that I think should be subpoenaed and, and questioned about their respective agencies and their respective actions to, uh, to figure out what's going on. And I, I think it's incredibly important for them to do that. Uh, Morph Morpheus, uh, is, is I'm guessing how you pronounce that, but thank you for your support of the channel. No question on that. Uh, but, but thank you for it. 
Tio Rico, uh, thank you. Kirkpatrick's indignant response is not persuasive. He seems disingenuous. Look, um, I, I will absolutely stress, I mean, this was not an official position of the DOD, nor uh, by me bringing it to you all accident in, as an endorsement on my end. But I will say, though, you're talking about a very interesting development no matter what. For him to not stay silent, for him to not fall back on the Office of Public Affairs, for him to take it into his own... Um, you know, his own action to, to respond to the claims that shows there's something there that he just does not want to stay silent on. So true or not, you can see the passion in his statement. So disingenuous, I'm not really sure. Maybe, maybe he's angry because nobody did go to him. Maybe he's angry because he's trying to get answers and the person source, which some people believe that it was Grush that refused to talk to Arrow I took away from the 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 statement by Kirkpatrick that it was whomever told Grush about this uh, these serious allegations of people being hurt and and murdered and stuff like that. Um, regardless of of who actually he was referring to, you know we can't knock Kirkpatrick if they really are not willing to talk to him, and if they don't trust him, uh, you know let's let's hear that let's hear that from the people let's hear that from Grush. Grush says he wished that that Kirkpatrick called him back. So clearly, I, I felt Grush was willing to talk. So why didn't Kirkpatrick call, if true? And those are those are questions I think that need to be answered. And it's not that I want to have like some Jerry Springer moment in a congressional hearing, but honestly, at that table should be Grush and Kirkpatrick at the same time, and they should be able to communicate face-to-face -face in a public hearing. And if the allegations, again, are, are true from either side, let's put it out there. Let them discuss, see if things are maybe a misunderstanding or or political grandstanding has blown some things out of proportion or you know, whatever the case may be. But let's get those types of moments in there. And I think that that's really what has to happen uh, in addition to getting a lot of agency heads and people that... Uh, that played a, a direct role in the secrecy and try and dig in on why. Juan Pablo Corsi, Lou Elizondo is so full of, okay, please stop this nonsense. Also stop paying attention to Avi Loeb, what an attention seeking. Well, uh, strongly worded there, Juan. Uh, look, I, 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 as critical as I am to some voices, I still support those voices should be heard. And despite my criticism of Luis Elizondo's claims since you brought him up, I still think that he should have the opportunity to state his case. But with that said, I think that people should also have the opportunity uh, and, and, and deserve to, to have the chance to respond and question. And I think that when it comes to that point, Everybody wants people like uh, Luis Elizondo out there in front of the cameras telling his story, which is fine. But the minute you question it, all of a sudden, a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people start pushing back on that. Like, how dare you question them? And it shouldn't be like that. So Juan, respectfully, thank you uh, for your support of the channel, by the way. Um, but look, let him, let, him, let him speak. But in the same respect, let's ask for proof. And nobody should chastise anybody who's asking for proof of these claims, not only from Luis Elizondo, but look, if Avi Loeb shifting gears, 
Uh, but Avi Loeb, who you just mentioned, if he's making claims too about what he recovered from the bottom of the sea, from a scientific standpoint, it's worth questioning. So let's do that. And it, I think it all comes down to those um, that don't want that to happen, which is unfortunate because I think that it really hurts the conversation as a whole. No one should be silenced. Everybody should have their opportunity to speak. But there comes a point where you can't just rely on it's all just a big cover up. Uh, I bring no proof to you, but believe what I say. And that goes to Luis Elizondo. That goes to David Grush. That goes to anonymous sources that get quoted in media. That goes to Eric Davis, who said there's off-world vehicles that was printed in the New York Times. Those are explosive claims to make. And I believe that they have the right to make those claims. But we have the right to demand some type of evidence or backing up to it. So thank you for your, your comment there. And sorry, I respectfully disagree on parts of it, but, uh, but I appreciate it. Uh, Johnny Horrible, wouldn't Jacques Vallée be the perfect person for the next hearing? He was in Project Blue Book, right? Um, well, when it comes to Dr. Vallée, I mean, obviously, he's he's got a huge history with a lot of this stuff. I think that he's got a lot of background. I think he would play an important role. But respectfully, I think, and this isn't against Dr. Vallée, I think that this is something that we need to move beyond. The foundation for UAP, the phenomena, uh, these phenomena, because I think that there's multiple facets of it, but... Uh, the foundation to prove these phenomena are real is solid in my book. There's already ample evidence in the form of documentation and now even official, like you can discount everything that came from somebody in the general public. But when you go to uh, the DOD itself, they are now producing some visual imagery of objects that they can't identify. So whatever they are, alien or not, we don't know. It's solid. The testimony of people like Graves, uh, who have, who has really kind of bring the torch, and this is my my interpretation anyway, but has really kind of taken the torch of representing the the pile of pilots and uh, those from the military side and commercial side, really representing that pile of names that has that has come forward to him, and 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 showing that there's a problem here that needs to be dealt with. And people like Commander Fravor, who obviously has his story and, and true belief that this was something that we just don't have. That is all solid and paramount to this discussion. That's awesome. But we need to get beyond that now. That's where I said in a social media post a week or, or so ago that the hearing should not be the witnesses anymore. As great as they are, Grush with the exception to, to this week's hearing, um, we need agency heads in there, plain and simple. We need people to to turn up the heat and i think that we need to see the same type of pressure that you see in other hearings outside of the ufo arena you need to see that in the ufo hearings and you need to see pushback even on dr kirkpatrick who could be the most honest and sincere person ever he needs to have that pushback on him and we need to have that pushback on the department of defense inspector general what have they found out in the UAP evaluation that has gone on now for a couple of years? We need to have the pushback on the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community on what has he discovered through the claims of David Grush that they found credible and, and uh, you know, obviously worthy of, of attention. What did they see? 
you know, everybody says, oh, no, their, their time is over. They already looked at it. No, nobody can answer why they felt that this was something that, that needed attention. And I think that you should put the ICIG in there and, and, and put, the, put the pressure on there and say, what, what convinced you? Was it his decorations as a military officer? Okay, let's hear that. Did they see something that supported the crash retrieval program or dead alien pilots? Okay, let's, let's, let's hear that. So there's a lot of people that should be in those seats because the foundation now is, is more than, than proven. I mean, we have that now. So let's move beyond it and get some real people in there and, uh, and go from there. And I, and I hope with the subpoena power, if those congressmen and, and congresswomen are serious, that they will do that, that they will get the appropriate people in there that have made the more explosive claims that are former government. They should be there. Give them their time to speak. You should have the agency heads and even like an arrow director, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick in there. And to respond to all of that and where you need to subpoena and push, you do it and you do it harder. And, and that's, that's where we, I think, need to go next. Shaldul, uh, let me thank you for your support. Sorry if you have done this multiple times in the past, but could you give examples of logical inconsistencies slash contradictions found in UAP FOIA releases, which do not occur in non-UAP matters? That is an excellent question and a loaded one at that. In lieu of going on and on about it, I will speak very generally to address it. <clears throat> and one thing that I'm considering doing for this channel in the coming weeks, wanted to do it for a long time, but I think now's the time, is to create more of an event, not even a video, but something that very similar to how I'm doing now, live, able to take questions, but give you guys a full breakdown, a presentation about the agency and the intelligence community uh, and military branches, all of that connection to UAP over the past, you know, five, six, seven, eight decades uh, going way back, but a historical review all the way up to the present day. And I think that that would really kind of show you a lot of those inconsistencies and contradictions. But to quickly address your question, I... I think a lot of people forget that the blackvault.com is is about maybe 5 to 10% UFO related material. That's it. Now, I'm clearly best known for that uh in the eyes of mainstream media and 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 the general populace. Um but I have this huge archive of material that uh about 17 uh, to 20,000 people a day visit that a lot of people have no interest in UFOs. They're downloading everything else. And out of all the topics that I've researched and hit through FOIA, UFOs and UAP is the number one most problematic. And the secrecy has only strengthened in the last five and a half years. The inconsistencies are primarily prior to 2017, primarily. And that inconsistency list stems from the government and military stance that they had no interest in UFOs or UAP and that they did not want to deal with it at all. FOIA, though, produced literally thousands of pages that contradict that statement and that stance, that not only were they interested in it, it was considered highly classified at the top secret level, and it was material that was the hardest to get a hold of. I was getting material about nuclear weapons and how they are made easier than UFO and UAP-related information. Why? 
So those types of inconsistencies between looking at highly sensitive topics away from UFOs and juxtaposing that with UFOs, and you realize, wow, there's something to UFOs. And that was the basis of my research literally for decades. 2017 changed that. All of a sudden, the conversation changed a little bit. And so what, what happened then was that we were hearing about UFOs more. They were researching UFOs. They were looking into it. Uh, and, and I thought, wow, this is great because that creates a whole new paper trail. I knew the transparency was not going to be there at all. I had no idea though, if you go back to like the 2018, 2019 timeframe had no idea that they were going to be, um, strengthening that secrecy, but the inconsistencies began to emerge in kind of that present day conversation that I'll refer to now in the form of them in these hearings, them meaning Scott Bray, Ronald Moultrie, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, stating certain things for the record, but their documentation was showing something else. They were making it seem like most the, everything was explainable. And yet you look at that secrecy and you go, wow, why is it strengthening? Why are they making these moves to exempt everything? If the majority of what these incidents are, are balloons, and airborne clutter and i forget what some of their other you know easily explained explanations are where are those videos because in the interest of transparency which i just read to you his statement dr kirkpatrick's statement what's classified about a trash bag flying in the wind and it doesn't matter if it was taken by a classified platform like an mq9 reaper drone because look what happened just this last week an MQ-9 Reaper drone was was uh, um, encroached upon by a Russian jet who dropped aircraft flares on it, ended up damaging, I think, one of the rotors on the MQ-9. That footage, that the incident happened on a Sunday, that footage re was released Tuesday, 48 hours after incident, right? So if we've got trash bags flying around and seagulls that are encroaching on our jets and whatever the heck they want to say this is, we should with a database of more than 800 cases on their last check. So DOD is admitted to more than 800. Why aren't we being flooded with that? You know, just even though we would have our, our, our pushback on exactly what they're trying to do, and I would get it. But the fact that, meaning they're trying to, to, to flood us with, you know, trash bags and stuff like that. Well, why aren't they doing that? And it's because I think there's an inconsistency between what they're claiming and what the evidence shows. So that's a kind of a um, a nutshell addressing of your inconsistencies, and hopefully that that uh, that worked for you, Shardul, and I hope I have that pronounced correctly. But thank you for your uh, thank you for your support. And if you guys do want to see that big video breakdown, I mean, I'm kind of envisioning in my head that this would literally be like four or five hours with breaks, with Q and A sessions throughout, and again, more of a I we'll even call it like a UFOs 101, so to speak but not really the basics, digging in and showing what this cover-up is. Because I think many post-2017 people that have come around and uh, they're, they're, they're interested in it because of the 2017 article and they, they kind of only care about the, the recent stuff, they see me as this big major skeptic. And although I am skeptical about some of the bigger claims out there for numerous reasons, 
I'd love the opportunity to show you guys why I'm still around after 26, 27 years, because I think some people may actually be pretty surprised by it. So if you want to see something like that, let me know. Uh, it's full free. I'm not when I say event, it's not ticketed or anything. Uh, we'll even call it a fundraiser if we want to. Anybody who wants to, you know, su support or, or buy a virtual ticket, so to speak, uh, feel free. But no, it would be 100 percent free. And it's more about public education versus, uh, you know, uh, anything else. Um, so just just a, a thought that I've been bantering about. Have you ever considered that the truth behind UFO secrecy is so terrifying that keeping it from people is the mercy option? That's from Lime's Inferior. Um, you know, there's always something to be said that the general public would not be able to handle an admission of alien life because the minute the government admits to this, and then th this goes into a much bigger conversation, so I'll try and very much... Uh, bring it down uh, um, time-wise for you. But I think that if if the government truly has covered this up for decades and they have alien bodies and alien craft, I know that, that Grush argued the alien word and wanted to use non-human intelligence, but, you know, let's let's get down to brass tacks of what we're dealing with here. If that is all true, you open up that possibility that every claim and allegation that the government has denied in the past now has the potential to be true. So I think that the majority of people aren't ready for the UFO alien admission anyway, but you have to broaden it to an even bigger scale because the implication that the government was hiding that much from us, a humanity altering knowledge that our place in the cosmos is not what we have been led to believe for however long we want to argue we've been told otherwise, that's huge. And I don't think that the, the general public will handle that well. Uh, you and I probably would be fine. However, the general public, I think, would not. But you broaden it. Then it's like, okay, so you have like this acceptance, acceptance of, oh my gosh, we're not alone in the universe and this is our, uh, our reality now. What else are they lying about? And then you're going to have the buttons pushed on the government about all these allegations over the years that actually may not be true at all, that they truly are just a conspiracy theory, fabrication, delusion. But the fact that they were able to cover this up for decades and, and they finally admit we're not alone and, okay, Grush is telling the truth, we're really sorry, you're going to have anarchy. And I think that that's what a lot of people don't realize, that it's not just accepting that alien life is real and the argument that society isn't ready. It's the repercussions of admitting that you were able to, you, the government, was able to, to establish that cover-up and maintain it for decades and decades. And that will lead to more questioning and what else are they lying about that if we push hard enough, they'll admit to. So th those are the types of things that I think, uh, you know, people aren't uh, really, really considering at this point that are very, very important. De Oppresso Lieber, um, thank you for your support. No question attached there, but I really do appreciate that. Black Dread Scotland, good to see your name again in here. I still get the feeling that this is a PSYOP. It should be important to remember what happened to Paul Benowitz. Uh, look, the PSYOP thing is, is something that's been around, for, the allegation's been around for years now, especially post-2017, that this is all a PSYOP for numerous different reasons. Uh, I've never been on that bandwagon, but you know what? You can't help but not consider it, given the way things have unfolded, 
given how people are talking about this, what people do, uh, their actions and so on. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's not something that I'm, I, I like to preach about, uh, nor am I even really on board with, but you have to, anybody has to fully admit that the way that this has unfolded, there are so many things to reasonably question on the actions of certain individuals possibly being involved in a PSYOP. And that goes both ways. Some of you may think I'm alluding to those that have come forward that are former government, and now they're talking in the open realm. Others may think that I'm referring to the government being involved in this PSYOP. It might be both. But I think that both sides have produced ample reasons to question motives and try to... to I think they've produced ample evidence. I'm trying to craft my words carefully here. They've produced ample evidence that supports us pushing and questioning it. Absolutely. So a, a PSYOP is not the first thing that I usually lead off with, nor again, am I on that bandwagon, but man, can't help but not look at it and start questioning it. Is there a way to get Vatican archive records on the UFO crash in the 1920s and 30s and transfer to U.S. military post-World War II? Uh, other than writing and asking or what their records uh, accession rules are, I, that I don't know. Uh, I, I saw the question a lot about FOIAing the Vatican. You cannot uh, do that, obviously. The, the FOIA only applies to U.S. agencies and, and military branches. So that's definitely out. But the information that they would have on something uh, like that, I think you would have to just literally call or write the Vatican and ask, like, is there any anything that you can um, uh, offer this. Going through some more questions here. I'm, let me see, 1204. Holy moly, I'm, you guys are great with your support and questions. There's tons of stuff. Uh, I apologize if I'm not seeing all of them, and I know that I'm not. Have you made FOIA requests to find out about U.S. documents that tie into the Italian documents that recently came out regarding the Mussolini UFO? There's, there's, a, there's a page on the Black Vault that deals with that Mussolini uh, story. Uh, this was a given permission to me uh, by Philip Mantle, who published the book that was all about this. And on there are documents and, and graphics and stuff like that. Um, I don't endorse any of that information. That's for archival purposes. Uh, so I would definitely, though, check that out. and You'll be able to kind of see the breakdown of uh, some of those documents. Uh, could I FOIA anything on it? There's really, in my opinion, nothing that I would be able to FOIA on it just just uh, from from a U.S. side, but rather uh, Italian researchers, you know, I, I don't know to what extent that they may have or what their open records laws are, but I would definitely fall back on somebody who speaks Italian or who is in Italy that can um, that can pursue that. But I think that would be the way to go versus our own intelligence agencies. Juan, uh, thank you again. I expressed myself wrong. What I was saying about Elizondo is that I was a counterintelligence officer, so his job is to distort. So he clearly knows about reverse. He clearly knows about reversing, and he's giving crappy version, obviously. Um, interesting perspective, Juan. Uh, you know, absolutely. The counterintelligence background to him is something that I think should concern everybody. And 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 only if it's just a concern to go, hey, what exactly, you know, are we uh, potentially distorting? I know that people cringe when I talk about his recollect recollection of the videos and how they were released and what we've been told, but it's provably 
uh, a distorted story. I mean, I mean, plain and simple. There is there's distortion to what Luis Elizondo has come out with, and that's not based on my opinion. You just look at what people have said, and there's distortion there. And what the root of that distortion is, you know, in some cases, your guess is as good as mine. But it is definitely a concern on what exactly is going on. And again, look, you know, he's a hero to a lot of people. He's got a lot of followers. Many of them are very, very passionate. And I respect that. But that background, you have to you have to understand that that's just what they do. And Juan, uh, you know, if that's your background as well, which it seems like it is, the job to distort is absolutely... And I've done a lot of work on this channel talking to you all about what I call that counterintelligence value of the UFO uh, conversation. And that may not directly be pertaining to Luis Elizondo, but ra rather the counterintelligence aspect to all of this as well. Some people have said, hey, you're confusing psychological operations with counterintelligence. And I, I respectfully disagree with that. It is true where there is a counterintelligence value, a counterintelligence value to all of this. And so to have somebody who headed up uh, or, or, you know, how they, they say they headed up a UFO research, uh, why why have that person? You need the scientists in there. Why would that person be involved in the, the UAP research? That's not supposed to be an insult to, to Luis Elizondo, but that's not who you would want in there if you're investigating UAP. You may not like him, but a Dr. Kirkpatrick level type of scientist and somebody who is just geared towards evidence is somebody that you want leading the charge. So there's a lot of there's a lot of layers to that onion. I know I'll get hate mail for the last three minutes of what I just said, but you know, regardless, it's true. Uh, you, you've got to look out for stuff like that. And um, I'll close that thought by saying that when Luis Elizondo had uh, first come out, I think this was a 2018 interview. He even said we should question everything. We, the general public, should question everything, even him. I'm paraphrasing, but but he said qu even question what he's saying, so he gets it. I, I mean, and sadly, he doesn't look kind on those that do question. But uh, he he said it himself, and I I think uh, that's a, a a beautifully said way to put it. And it's something that I never forgot, and it's something that I continue to do. Charlene Sampson, thank you so much for the support. I love UFOs like family. I think many of us do, and that's a beautiful cat, by the way. Very, very beautiful. It's a shame I can't blow up the uh, the picture, but uh, very, very beautiful cat that you've got. And Senzu Bean, is there any is there a way we could ask Grush questions to get answers without getting him into a skiff, like asking him if he concurs with Haim Ashed's claims, as evidenced by the hearing? I believe that David Grush has gone as far as he can in an open setting. Again. Whether or not he's spewing gospel or not, that debate aside, it's clear he did not want to expand on anything. So, to your point, uh, no, I don't think there's anything we can do uh, at all. What I will bring up right now that I, I will stress a thousand times over until this is released, his Dopser request that he submitted to the DOD that was approved for public release and dissemination still has yet to see the light of day. And it was brought up in the congressional hearing. I think it was Congresswoman Luna who brought it up. And she felt that it added a layer of credibility to David Grush. And to David Grush's um, credit, 
he went out of his way to say that 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 the essentially was only to make sure that there was no classified information within what he wanted to tell the public it is not a fact check uh process it is not in an endorsement it's not any of that so i was really surprised to see congresswoman luna bring up that dopser review process and then go well it really adds legitimacy and then one more final point to david grush's credit he says i had to do it uh because if i you know went on tv and started uh saying these types of things there was no security review that is uh, against the law he can go to jail so he's right about all that and to his credit he was he was obviously uh trying to go out of his way to, to say that but his request adopts her has yet to see the light of day why i i don't there's something there and every day that goes by that it's not put out to the world makes me question more and and i don't understand it release it it's cleared by the dod congresswoman who's bringing it up in the hearing thinks that it it is to his his uh, credibility but why that's not even the process but on top of that why are you withholding it and i and i think that that's something that uh, we should see the general public um because i i think to, to further the point one thing that i didn't mention in the updates but uh tim burchett was doing an interview i think it was actually for tmz and i'm paraphrasing what he said but he said that he couldn't get into a skiff with David Grush because he, David Grush, did not have a security clearance. Now, I think that this has been bantered about before, but let's just take Burchett at, at, at his word that his security clearance was lost. Now, we know that David Grush didn't go to Dopser until this year, in 2023. Yet, David Grush was photographed and videotaped at a UFO conference he was uh, shown to be with George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell uh, and Jay Stratton. Now, as far as I know, George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell do not have security clearances. And yet Jeremy Corbell has gone out of his way numerous times to say that David Grush went to him and George Knapp first. Now, if that is true, this was prior to a Dopser review. This means that anything that he said in relation to anything UAP related, how could he get away with that without violating any type of security oath or promise or NDA or whatever? In my personal opinion, I don't think he could have. Is that why he no longer has a security clearance? And I think that a lot of people are kind of not looking at that reality that he's showing up at UFO conferences having meetings with journalists while he is still a U.S. government employee with a security clearance, a high one at that. And he's likely talking to them about all of these things that he later had to, quote unquote, clear with Dopser. So he did all of this prior. And in the hearing, he says, oh, I had to do this or it's against the law. I can go to jail. Well, he didn't do it when he was at that UFO conference. And you know he's not sitting there just talking about his French toast or whatever they were having at the meal. I know because of Jeremy Corbell's own statements in the mainstream media that Grush brought his story to them first. That means that David Grush, true or not, was talking about things that he should have had the DOD uh, clearance for and yet did not. So how much of this plays a role how much is the reprisal that we we have hints at but we don't have the details of and rightfully so it's an ongoing investigation but you still have to ask the question 
was going to journalists talking about your UAP related work maybe part of that? Was there a concern that he was taking classified information from his UAP investigations and leaking it somehow? You have to ask this question. It's not an allegation, but it's an important question, right? I hope everybody would agree with that. Because the two journalists he was talking to just so happened to have had numerous UAP-related leaks published on their website, the last two of which, oh, excuse me, not the last two anymore, uh, but two of which I believe were classified. I believe I'm 99.9% .9 sure they're a classified product. That would be uh, the Mosul Orb. That's based on my FOIA request and it being kicked back. And the Baghdad Phantom. And the reality, and I have this in writing from the U.S. military, that MQ-9 Reaper drone footage is inherently classified. Unless it's a, a public mission that they aim to essentially release that footage. Uh, I don't have an example, but that was in the statement. Uh, that was not the Baghdad Phantom. That was not some kind of PR mission to release that to the general public. So uh, with that said, that's classified information in my opinion. And so you now have a top secret cleared high-ranking high individual meeting with journalists who happen to be publishing leaked material uh, through the past year plus. There has to be a concern there. And is that reprisal? Does that have anything to do with him losing his uh, security clearance? And I, I honestly, I don't know but we should ask those questions. Morpheus, thank you so much for your continued support. I'm going to have to uh, end the stream at 1219, and I'm probably going to be missing some of you guys. I'm sorry. I'll revisit the, uh, especially the super chats that I've missed here if I have to go, but let me see if I can get a couple more. Was Arrow involved with the shoot down cases? Will those be declassified after 22 years? Um, I aimed, I have an appeal. They were denied the shoot down cases with the exception of the YouTube photo that was released all the videos are classified. Uh, the 25-year rule is essentially under Executive Order 13526, but um, in short, you can still request reviews of the material. We'll see how my appeal plays out. Was Arrow involved? Yes, in the hearing, Kirkpatrick said he was called. So there is clearly a connection between Arrow uh, and these balloon cases. Morgan, uh, thank you for the update. Oh, well, thank you for your support, Morgan. It's good to see your name here uh, as well. I really do appreciate that. Did you go over Robert Salas's response to Kirkpatrick? Uh, if you're talking about something that that uh, was published like in the last day, like when Kirkpatrick wrote a statement yesterday, I have not. So Kate, if you could uh, maybe let me know uh, through a direct message, uh, direct messages are open on Twitter or on YouTube. Uh, feel, feel free to let me know. Uh, so I'm not entirely sure what that would be. I feel if it, uh, nature struck, I feel if it were aliens, we would have been told by now. I feel this is something else we won't necessarily be happy to know about, or at a minimum harder to take as a people. Nature is great comment. I appreciate that. Um, nothing to add really. I, I just, uh, I don't think that the alien admission is coming, uh, sadly. Brett, please share thoughts on the letter between Sarbacher and Steinman regarding von Neumann, Vannevar Bush, and Oppenheimer saying UFO higher classification than H-bomb. Um, I think that there was something posted on Twitter today revisiting some of these documents. Brett, I don't want to dodge your question, but let me get a little bit more well-versed on, on that. 
um, if you don't mind before I, I dig in and I'm happy to address it. So please, you as well, I'm going to write a note to myself, drop me a direct message, uh, and I will, I will definitely deal with that in a, a future stream. The Sparky Lady, I appreciate your help. Keep it up. Thank you so much for that. Really do appreciate it. I'm, um, I think I'm caught up now. Great. Okay. So thank you all for this impromptu, um, live stream here on a Saturday. It was a behind the scenes. Uh, this obviously opened up a lot of questions and good dialogue. What I do is I clip this video and we'll put it out on audio form and uh, premiere it on YouTube at a later date. If you're watching anywhere other than YouTube, make sure you do subscribe to that channel. Not everything is broadcast to all social media networks. So if you go to theblackvault.com slash live, that will bounce you to the YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscri subscribed, like the videos if you can, really do appreciate it. It really helps me. If you do feel like you want to support the channel even further, 100% of all the super chats or any of the comments on YouTube where you uh, pitch in or Patreon, anything, 100% goes directly to theblackvault.com. Gets a little bit pricey. There are three different servers uh, that I run that are dedicated to theblackvault.com solely, and uh, those get uh, a little bit pricey just in themselves to house 3.2, 3.3 million pages of documents. The site's all free, so I rely on that type of support, and I really do appreciate any dollar that you can send in. It is truly helpful, but also not mandatory. The biggest help of all is sharing the word about this uh, th this channel, these videos, if you feel they're worthwhile. I don't expect everybody to always agree with my opinion or my two cents, so I always look forward to your comments below here on YouTube or wherever you might be listening or watching. I always like to take a look and respond where I can, and thank you in advance for that. So that said, thank you so much again for listening and watching. This is John Greenwell Jr. signing off, and we'll see you next time.